and welcome to the Creative Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Van Doren, and in this podcast, I talk with some of the most creative and inspiring people that I know. From hearing about their process to what holds them back from creating, routines and rituals, to the intersection between creativity and spirituality, you'll hear from writers, actors, singers, dancers, musicians, painters, multi-passionate creatives, and anyone else who considers themselves a creative soul. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Creative Soul Podcast. Today is going to be a little different and a very special episode because I want to take this time to reflect on this crazy, insane year that we all went through together and to reflect on some of the lessons and the learnings that I have discovered this year. It is actually my birthday today. This episode won't come out until Thursday, Christmas Eve. So wherever you are in the world, happy Christmas Eve if you're listening to it on the day that it comes out. And if you're listening to this any point after, then I hope that we all made a graceful transition out of 2020. And that is what I want to get into, 2020. And one of my favorite birthday rituals, this is something that I do every year, I always reflect on the year, the age that I was, and think about all the lessons that I learned, all the experiences that I had, and I find that taking time to reflect really kind of cements in the lessons that we've learned, and it kind of gives you this bird's eye view of of everything that went on, and you know, looking back at where you were a year ago, where you were throughout the year, and where you are now, and what things have changed or shifted. So I always love to do this tradition. I've previously written about it, posted on my blog, but now this year with the start of this podcast, I'm excited to talk about it and to kind of share it all with you and hope that maybe something resonates from my journey. And if it doesn't, again, always I say, I always like to say, take what you need and leave what you don't. Only you can determine what is true for you because that has been a very big lesson for all of us and especially me this year, which I'll get into. But first I wanted to talk about just a month of December because the past couple of weeks I actually took a social media break and I was not planning on taking a social media break. I didn't even have it in my mind, but at the first week of December, so the week after Thanksgiving, I went to Mexico for a week with my friends from high school and it was such a beautiful trip. I've never actually been out of the country with friends. Every time I've traveled, it's always been solo. So it was a really interesting, different, amazing experience to travel with friends and kind of get that experience of traveling in a foreign country, but feeling really comfortable with the people that you're around. And it was beautiful. And so I got back from that trip feeling just really filled up. I had been feeling really down the weeks prior to that trip. And that really just like revitalized me. And I got back to Connecticut and I woke up one morning and I was like, you know what? I think I need to take a break from social media. This year has been crazy. This year, because of, you know, the fact that we've been inside in our homes, we haven't been able to see each other, connect with each other. Social media has really been such a big part of our lives because it's really now the only way that we can connect and that we can stay on top of each other, that we can connect with each other. And so... I know that this year I've been so addicted to it and I really just wanted to take some time to quiet all of the external noise and really go inward and and spend this month of December really reflecting on this entire year and, and how I've changed because I really feel like a different person than I was a year ago and I will get into why, but I really, really do feel like 
I've just, my timeline, like who I was a year ago, what I wanted a year ago and who I am now and what I want now and where my dreams are now, I just feel like I've shifted multiple timelines. And I also want to say that Today is December 21st, 2020. It is my 26th birthday, but it's not only my birthday, it is the conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn. And if you haven't heard, I'm sure you've probably seen this on your social media feeds. If it looks anything like mine or the people you follow have been talking about this great significant event. And maybe, you know, at this point, when you listen to this episode, it already will have happened. So we already will have ushered in the new age. But at this point, we're kind of in this portal. And essentially what it is, is that Jupiter and Saturn are going to be in conjunct with Aquarius. And Jupiter and Saturn will be so close in the sky that they'll kind of look like one star. And this hasn't happened. They haven't been this close together since before Galileo invented the telescope. So if you can imagine, you know, how much innovation and change has taken place since then, it's really an exciting time to be alive. And I really do feel that this is kind of the culmination of 2020 as we're ushered into 2021. And I do feel that there are some big shifts and changes um, in the horizon. And I think that we're all feeling that on some level, the whole collective is feeling that, you know, feeling, you know, this, again, this, this 2020 has really stripped us of everything that has, has really stripped us of everything that no longer is serving us. So I believe that with 2021, with 2020, we are entering this new age. You know, they've been talking about the age of Aquarius, that we have been moving out of the age of Pisces, where we have been for many years, and now we're entering this age of Aquarius, and we're seeing the rise of the divine feminine. We're we're seeing how our systems and our structures are changing, changing from this patriarchal structure that we've been in for so many years, and now really moving towards um, a new earth, and that's what people have been talking about, and I've been taking some time to really reflect on what this new earth means to me, what this, you know, what role do I have to play in this in this new ushering of the new age? And I've been getting some really potent messages. And I think taking some time off from social media was so important for me during this time to really get clear on everything that I've experienced without, again, having my energy split in so many different directions. I noticed that when I wake up and the first thing I do is get on Instagram and scroll. Suddenly I'm bombarded with all of this information and all of these thoughts and feelings that are not mine. And because I'm an empath, because I'm sensitive, an artist, I really do take on other people's energies and other people's thoughts and emotions. So that makes it so that I don't have clear direction of thought and I'm kind of taking in and being influenced by all of these different opinions and thoughts and feelings. And I'm sure most of you have experienced that too. You know, you get on Instagram, you see that someone is having a beautiful morning with this beautiful coffee and you're like, wow, now I want some coffee. Or like, at least for me, that's what happens. Or you see that someone is traveling somewhere and you're like, whoa, I wish I could travel. I want to be there. And suddenly you're dissatisfied with your life when actually nothing is going wrong in your life. It's so interesting living in a world where you're seeing what everyone is up to and you kind of think that that is real life when it's really not. It's really not real life. And I had an experience this summer, which I want to talk about because it, it, it kind of forced me to realize this like fake world that we've created. And I think there are so many benefits to social media. I mean, the way that it connects us, the way that I've been able to connect with people all over the world has been so beautiful. But some of the downsides obviously are like thinking that that is real life. And I think Instagram really romanticizes life. 
And, you know, of course, everyone's posting their highlight reel. So we think that everyone's having this amazing life when life is a duality. You know, there's good, there's bad, there's light, there's dark, there's ups, there's downs. And that's just part of being a human. And, you know, being able to normalize that and being able to understand that, you know, Instagram is not everything. When you see, I feel like because of this year and we haven't been able to really see each other in real life, when I think of someone, I think of only what they posted on Instagram, but you don't realize all of the stuff that they're not posting on Instagram, all of the stuff that they're not seeing. So I didn't want to get on a tangent about Instagram right now, but that's kind of where my brain is going because that feels super present for me right now. But we'll get into that later. So I kind of want to talk about where I was a year ago. 2019, December 2019, when we all were super excited about the new decade, I feel like everyone was saying 2020 is going to be the best year of our lives. Like we had so many hopes and dreams for 2020. Promise me that I'm not the only one. I think we were all really excited about this shift in the new decade and, you know, where we were all going. So I'll tell you where I was in last year. So in October 2019, I quit my job, I quit my stable, comfortable job to go travel the world. And my plan was to study yoga in India and then do a solo trip in Bali and Thailand. And this trip meant so much to me. It really, I think 2019 for me was a lot about learning to make friends with my fear. And I know I talked about that in a previous episode, but really, learning to make friends with my fear and understand that I didn't want this like safe, comfortable life. I wanted to take risks. And something that I was so afraid of was the unknown and quitting my job, leaving the home, the community, the boyfriend, everything that I had cultivated for myself since graduating college, I was leaving behind because I knew that when I was going to come back from my three month solo trip, I wasn't going to move back to the same place where I was. I was going to move to New York and start this new life where I was really stepping into my artistry and stepping into following my dreams at the time because my dreams my entire life have been to move to New York City and follow the path of being an actor, of being an artist in the city. I wanted to sing and perform and act on stage. I mean, my entire life literally has been, the dream has always been to be on Broadway in New York City. And so that was me kind of taking that step. So I got back from my solo trip after three months of like pure magic, pure bliss. I, during those three months, I didn't smoke weed. I didn't drink alcohol. I didn't eat meat. I didn't watch porn. I kind of had gotten rid of all of these vices and had to do a lot of work to deal with my shadow side and to deal with the shame that I felt about my shadow side. And so I studied yoga in India, which kind of led me on this path of like deeper spiritual awakening, deeper spiritual enlightenment, and then had three weeks in Bali where I was completely alone. And I really worked through my shadow side and I learned ultimately how to tap into the pleasure and the abundance um, that the universe always has. Like I learned to literally, this might be TMI, but I learned to literally have orgasms from like watching the sunset. And I'm not even kidding. Like I would masturbate to the thought of eating mangoes or cherries. And that is definitely a story that I will put into a one woman show one day or a book or something else. But I truly felt like I was just so at one with the universe, with myself and like had grown so much. So 
that's the place that I was in a year ago. And I actually had arrived in Connecticut because that's where my boyfriend was living. And I didn't have a place to live. I didn't have a job. I didn't know what I was going to be doing. But I had this built this like massive trust and surrender into the universe. And I just knew that everything I had learned for the past three months while traveling was going to serve me in this next chapter of my life, moving to New York City, figuring out what job I was going to have, figuring out where I was going to live, what I was going to do. It was all of that was going on. So I was scared, but I like really trusted in this unknown and like was so excited about co-creating this life that I had always desired. And so I remember on my birthday last year, I wrote this letter to myself and I dated it 12-31-2020. And I wrote about the year 2020 and I wrote about everything that I wanted to have experienced, everything that I wanted to do. I wrote down specifically two things that stood out to me. One was that I wanted to work remotely. Whatever job that I had next, I wanted to have that freedom to be able to travel wherever I want. I wanted to be able to not be in an office. I had just spent three years of my life working in an office and I didn't like it. It wasn't conducive to the lifestyle I wanted to lead. And so I wrote down, I wanted to work remotely and I wrote down the exact money amount that I wanted to make every month. I looked at my lifestyle, looked at the lifestyle that I wanted to have, and I wrote down exactly the number that I wanted to make per month. And so, you know, I wrote that down. I was feeling super excited about the new year. And on January 2nd, 2020, I moved to New York City. And again, I moved with no job and no place to live. So the first three weeks of January, I was sleeping on my sister's couch. She um, lives in Queens with her husband and her two-year-old son at the time. So I was living with them, not getting a lot of sleep because you know the, the toddler was always awake at odd hours of the night. But I was figuring it out. I was applying for jobs. I was looking for nannying positions, looking at like waitressing positions, catering jobs kind of figuring out like, okay, what does an artist do in New York City? And the path that I had always seen, you know, all my artist friends and people that want to be actors in New York City, they always take kind of those flexible jobs, those jobs that you can, you know, are flexible and understand that you have a career outside of that job. So that tends to be babysitting, nannying, waitressing, bartending, temp receptionist, those kinds of things. So that's really what I was looking at. I was applying to all of these jobs. I remember I did a three-day catering job in the city in January. And it was so wild. I met so many people from so many different walks of life. And I woke up at like 3 a.m. and worked this 12-hour shift for three days and probably made like $10 an hour. Like it was crazy. But I'm so glad I had that experience because it it showed me that that is not what I want to do. I don't want to live this like life where I'm like, I mean, I remember some people at the job were like, I don't know how I'm going to make my rent this month. Like, I have no idea how I'm going to make my rent this month. Like, I thought I could pick up more catering gigs, but like, there's not that many. What am I supposed to do? And I was like, you know what? I don't, I don't want to be in that position. I don't, I'm not willing to sacrifice my feeling of like security and comfort to chase some dream because something I realized during that like three weeks where I was trying to hustle and pick up random shifts and random odds and ends from wherever I could find it was that that month I was not being creative at all because all of my energy was going towards finding a job. You know, I'm someone who I feel very privileged and grateful in my life, but I don't have any backup. You know, I have no one supporting me. I knew that if I was going to make it in New York City, I had to do it myself, which I'm totally fine with and I'm totally capable of. But I knew that, you know, there wasn't going to be anyone for me to call if I couldn't make my rent that month. Like I needed 
to be able to make my rent and to be able to be okay with that so I could focus my energy on my creative and artistic pursuits. And so that that was really clear to me that that month. And also what happened that month in January is, again, I had moved to New York City with this dream of like being an actor and going to auditions. And I didn't really know how that was going to look for me because I knew it was going to look different than if I had moved to New York right after college. Because after college, my plan and what they had taught me to do was to go out there in New York, start doing that non-equity audition hustle. If you're an actor, you know what I'm talking about. You know, the, the part where you wake up at 4 a.m. and you get in line and you hope to be seen. And because of my time at the O'Neill, my my desires had kind of shifted. I, I now knew what kind of theater I wanted to do. I was really interested in new work, new musical theater, new play development, and was kind of more interested in like the readings side of theater rather than like being in the ensemble in some musical. That really wasn't where my priorities lie now. And so I went to one audition in the middle of January and I woke up at 4 a.m. I got to the audition at like 5.30 in the morning. There was already a line of like 300 people standing outside in the snow. And we all waited there for like three hours, I think from like 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. And then we all got a number and we were told to come back later in the day. So I got there at 9.30, finally like got my ticket to come back later and they said, come back at 3.30 p.m. And this, I have talked about this actually in the episode with Erica Schaefer. If you listen to that one, you'll get the full story. But this experience was like stark in my face. What the fuck? Like what other job do you know about? What other life path do you know about where like someone goes to college, spends thousands of dollars on their training, on their education, they graduate and they're told to stand in line in the snow. And I also thought about like how privileged the arts industry is and how privileged you have to be to be able to be an artist. Because think about it. I was unemployed at the time because I was still figuring out my next step. But you know, if a lot of people had to wake up that early and then go to work. So they had to miss their spot. They weren't even seen that day. So they just wasted all that time standing in line. And I'm just not the kind of person that's going to stand in line. Like if I want something, I'm just going to go out there and do it. And this experience like really, yeah, was the catalyst for everything that shifted my perspective of like what being an artist is and, and what, you know, about the industry, because I, again, I had grown up my whole life wanting to be in the industry and already that was kind of shifting because of the O'Neill. But then this experience really showed me like, no, I, I am worth so much more than that. I am an artist and I'm not going to stand in line in the snow for hours. And I'm not going to, you know, go into this audition room for 30 seconds, sing my 30 bars or 16 bars or whatever it is. For then you to tell me yes or no, for then you to determine whether or not I am worthy enough of being in your show. And again, another thing, after you get into the show, guess how much those jobs pay you? Couple hundred dollars a week. Do you think that you can survive on a couple hundred dollars a week? No, who can survive unless they have someone else supporting them? And I think that's something that people in the arts do not talk about enough, about the economic privilege that it takes in order to be an artist. I mean, not even talking about the racial inequalities that exist in the art industry, but just talking about the economic realities of being an artist in New York City, it's not possible unless you have someone backing you up. 
And of course, I want to believe that there are outliers to the situation. But in my experience, that is that is what I learned from that experience that like, hey, I can only come back to this audition because I don't have a job right now. But as soon as I have a job, I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm going to be focused on paying my rent and being, you know, able to, to survive. So I felt very strongly that month that there had to be another way. Like I have dreams, I want to perform, I want to create art and tell stories, but there has to be another way. I kept telling myself like, there has to be a back door. Where can I find the back doors? And so I actually started reading a book called Reach Out by Molly Beck that was recommended to me by Carly Valancey, who you will hear on an upcoming episode. I'm so excited to have her on. But I actually met Carly very serendipitously on like the third day that I was in New York. I think it was January 3rd, 2020. I attended Susan Blackwell's Creativity Workshop, which is a workshop that I attended, I think two or three years in a row. They do this workshop in New York City, kind of like New Year, set your creative goals. And I got so much out of it from the first time I went. And I love Susan Blackwell and everything she does. Check out The Spark File if you haven't heard of her. She has a great podcast called The Spark File, which you guys will love. But anyways, I met Carly at this at this creativity workshop and Carly recommended this book to me. Carly not only recommended this book called Reach Out to Me, but she also got me a job at the meditation studio in New York City called Inscape, which was this amazing meditation studio. I loved it. So I, I was able to get a part-time job there. And then I also got a job teaching yoga. And so I had just gotten my yoga teacher training in India in October, and I knew that I wanted to continue my practice, you know, really take what I had learned and put that all into action. So I got a job teaching a yoga class once a week in Astoria. And so I was kind of like hobbling together these jobs that I knew were like more aligned with who I am and what I want to do. Because working in an office was not it. But I was like teaching meditation and yoga and feeling really good about that. But again, I couldn't survive financially off of these jobs. I mean, they paid, you know, just a class a week or a part-time job. It's not enough to survive and it's not enough to cover your rent and living expenses. So I had actually applied for a job at the public theater in a position that was very similar to the position I had at the O'Neill. And like I applied, I think right when I had gotten back from Southeast Asia, just because I was looking for jobs and applying everywhere. And I didn't hear back for them. I didn't hear back from them for like a month. And then they called me into their office. I had an interview. It went super well. I had another interview. It went super well. And then in January, I actually, I was living in New York on my sister's couch. And then I went away to California for a weekend for to celebrate my mom's 60th birthday. My mom turned 60. And so all of us rented, we all pitched in to rent this like beautiful Airbnb on the coast in Northern California. And we all gathered for the, just the weekend. And I remember on that trip, they called me and were like, you got the job, you're hired. And they offered me the amount of money that I had written down just like three weeks prior, the exact amount of money that I would wanted to make per month. They offered me that in a yearly salary. And so it was kind of this opportunity where it was too good to be true. I really respect the public theater and the work that they do. And because I was, I just moved to New York and I really needed to figure out my next step. I, you know, I knew it was going to take some time to like figure out all the things that I wanted to get involved in. And I knew I had to start making money. And so I accepted the position 
And when I got back from California, within like three days, I started my job at the public, my full-time job. I started teaching yoga, my first yoga class. I started working at the meditation studio on the weekends. And I moved into an apartment in Brooklyn by myself. So I moved out of my sister's place. I was now living at this cute little apartment in Prospect Lefferts in Brooklyn. And I was finally feeling like, okay, my life is beginning. I'm finally in New York. I finally have my own space. It feels so good to be in my own space and like just living the New York City life that I had always dreamed of. And so I was getting into the flow of things. I was working. I ended up being, I think New York City is, I'm a someone who likes to hustle. Like I feel, I thrive in the hustle. I love being busy. I love doing things. I love like maximizing my time. And New York City was really a place where I could do that. And I had just come again from living on this island where I was super in the flow of the feminine energy and like slowing down. And I, I was a little worried that I was going to kind of take everything I had learned and like it was all gonna be for nothing because now I was like deep in the hustle of living in New York City and like trying to do all the things. And I remember I was so busy that I like was never home. I would go to work, then I would always have something to do after work, whether that was seeing a show because we were getting a lot of free tickets from my work seeing a show, meeting up with friends, going to like meditation events, going to, yeah, just like doing all the things and meeting up with people and just like, I, I remember my friends and I started a theater company. My friends from college, we started a theater company and we had all these like dreams of what we were gonna do that year. We wanted to put on a cabaret at 54 Below. We wanted to do a cabaret at Joe's Pub and like we just, we were all over the place, right? And I remember I was so busy that I knew, like I had to schedule my days down to the minute because like I knew if I hadn't meal prepped or grocery shopped in that moment, then I wouldn't have time all week and I would have to spend money on eating all my meals out. So I was like in this like crazy go, go, go mentality, but I was loving it because that's, that's what I love to do and I feel like really purposeful in that. So that went on for about six weeks. <laughs> until March and I remember March rolled around and I was feeling really excited because I had decided, so back in India, I wanted to, I had this idea of like creating this workshop that had to do with yoga and creativity and like combining yoga and creativity and I didn't know what the workshop was going to look like but I just knew that I wanted to do something and something that I knew was like my next step to have in 2020 was to step up into a leadership position, to step up into a teacher, a guiding role. I wanted to teach yoga. Like I had never really taught anything before, but I knew that I wanted to share my voice and like begin to lead others in whatever way that looked like. So I was really excited about this idea of like some kind of workshop, didn't really know what it was, but I ended up booking a space in Chinatown. It was like this downtown theater in Chinatown where like they have this little loft space. And so I booked a space, it was $75. I'd paid for it out of pocket. And I was like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna host a workshop. And I called it the creativity circle. And I invited everyone I knew in New York City. I invited all of the students um, that went to the O'Neill that I had connections with. I invited my friends from college. I invited my friends that I made at the O'Neill. Like I just invited anyone and everyone. And that creativity circle was held on March 7th. 
So as you can imagine, things were starting to ramp up. You know, we were just hearing about coronavirus in China and in Italy. I remember I was on the subway and I was just sitting there and someone next to me was like looking on their phone at the news in Italy and like there was outbreaks in Italy. And at this point we just like, you know, wasn't really even in our consciousness or at least it wasn't in mine. And we weren't really aware that this was going to affect us. We were kind of just going about our daily lives. So I remember I had that workshop I think like nine people came, everyone that I knew, and it was really special. And I remember like there was one girl that couldn't go because she said she was starting to feel sick and she didn't want to like jeopardize anyone. But we basically had this workshop and it was so beautiful. We like had all these exercises. We journaled, we meditated, we did some eye gazing, we gave each other gifts. It was like really beautiful. And that moment was like the moment that proved to me that I can do this work because I was dealing with a lot of self-doubt and like fear about stepping up into this new version of who I wanted to become. But I knew that like, after I had that experience, I was like, I can do this. Like people got something out of this. This was really special. This was really sacred. This was everything that I wanted it to be. Like I need to trust in myself that I have this gift and I can hold space for others and I can facilitate and I'm good at this. And so that was kind of the confirmation I needed in order to go forward. So that was March 7th and then a week later, I remember I was at work and we suddenly got the news that Broadway shut down. And in order for Broadway to shut down, you know that things are not going well. Like that was a huge shock to all of us that Broadway was shutting its doors for one month. I remember they set that date for one month. And I knew if Broadway was shutting down, we were shutting down because the public is off Broadway, but it's it's basically like on the same level as Broadway. We will follow the same suit that Broadway theaters will do. And so within the hour, our executive directors announced that we will be closing and everyone will be working from home for the next two weeks. At that point, again, it was only supposed to be two weeks. And I'm sure all of you have your stories about where you were when you found out or what you thought. And I remember I was like excited. I, again, if you remember that my one goal for 2020 was to be able to find a job where I could work remotely. And I had gotten this job at the public working at their office and I knew that was my next step. But what I really wanted was to work remotely. And so I was so excited like, oh yeah, I get two weeks to work remotely. Like this is everything I wanted. And so I went back home to my Brooklyn apartment and I was excited to like spend the weekend there and like just have some time to slow down because I had been go, go, going. And I was like, finally, I'll have some time to rest, to relax. And I spent the weekend there and something felt very off in the city. The city, like, I mean, we were experiencing this mass exodus from the city. Everyone who could afford to leave was leaving. And so even I stayed that weekend and already like, the subways were empty. The only people left on the subways were homeless people. I remember standing in the subway station at Union Square and like there were just people screaming and homeless people just sitting there. It was like the saddest thing I've ever experienced. It was awful. Like the energy was just awful because usually, you know, you'll see homeless people and you'll see kind of people who are dealing with mental illness, but they're mixed in with everyone else going to work. But at that point it was like, those were the only people that were left. And it was really scary and really sad. And it just made me again think about like the privilege that people have to leave the city and the people that stayed were the ones who couldn't leave. And I know I'm generalizing here, but that is how it felt in my experience. So after a few days, it kind of became clear that 
like we weren't, you know, it, this, this thing might be a while, you know, you might want to be somewhere where you feel safe, where you feel comfortable. And so I was really debating whether or not I should go to Connecticut to be with my boyfriend. At least then I could be in nature versus like staying in my apartment. Because at first when everything had been announced, I kind of thought that I'd be able to like go to coffee shops or like whatever. But then it became clear that the entire city was shutting down. Restaurants were being closed. Coffee shops were being closed. Like you couldn't go anywhere. You were ordered to stay in your house. And I had this tiny bedroom, like it was literally just big enough to hold a mattress, tiny little matchbox apartment, which I love, but I was like, if I'm not going to be able to like leave this apartment, I'm going to go crazy. And so I made the difficult decision at that time to go to Connecticut to be with my boyfriend, just to have a little more space and to, you know, navigate this major life transition with him. So I went up to Connecticut and... uh, I was like, what am I doing back in Connecticut? This is so odd because I had left Connecticut. The last time I was living in Connecticut was before I had left for my solo trip. And like I had made that decision to leave Connecticut. I didn't want to live in Connecticut anymore. And I was like, whoa, how weird. I thought I moved to New York City and now I'm back here, back where this all started. And I was just just like observing this, finding it very interesting. I started... I think you'll remember that like it's when the pandemic hit, everyone was going live on Instagram. Like everyone was just trying to show up and and serve in whatever way they could. And I remember asking myself a lot of questions at that time of like, how can I serve my communities? Like it really became clear to me the communities that I'm part of and how can I affect and impact others? And I knew that like I couldn't affect and impact everyone, but I could maybe affect and impact my community. So I started offering weekly virtual creativity circles on Zoom. I started teaching yoga on Instagram Live. I started teaching yoga at my work at the public because we were all working from home for the first time. And so I was teaching and like showing up and just like seeing what I could do to serve my community. And then, you know, time went on and it extended from two weeks to a month to, you know, now it's December and we're still in it. We know that it's not ending anytime soon. And I remember at this time I was feeling really lost and really like, what is my place in this world? How, How am I supposed to show up and serve? Like, what do I want to do? I was just feeling really lost, like asking myself all of these questions. I was going on daily walks that lasted like two hours and I was just having all of this time to think and all of this time to really face myself and like question what the fuck is happening yeah and so you know as we all know everyone was baking bread on Instagram and we were still kind of just going along not knowing when this thing would end and then in at the end of May George Floyd was murdered which sparked all of the racial protests and the racial reckoning in our country and suddenly i i mean i work at a theater and so they're very involved in the social justice movements and so all of a sudden i was having At work, we were having three hour long meetings every single day to talk about white supremacy and the racial reckoning that was going on in this country. They already had this group called Deconstructing Whiteness and Confronting Racism that I was a part of. I had joined in January when I joined the public. And before they had like monthly meetings, but as soon as George Floyd was murdered, we had hour long meetings, two hour long meetings. We were having like two hour long staff meetings hearing about the experiences of our BIPOC colleagues and like everyone was kind of overwhelmed with all of this information that 
they maybe weren't previously privy to or maybe they didn't think about it or whatever the reason, we were all kind of having these own racial reckonings in our societies and our families and our communities, again, in our communities. And I remember social media at the time being a really hard place to be in because everyone was spouting off their opinion left and right. It was like, you have to post a black square in order to show that you're not racist. But also if you post a black square, it's like you're you're just going off of mob mentality and like you're hiding all the important information that people need for the protests and like you're not helping, you think you're helping. Also, you better say something about your opinion about all of this and if you don't, then you're racist and white silence equals violence and all of these things. There was a lot of opinions and I was feeling very, very lost in the midst of it because I I didn't know how to show up and surf. I didn't know if activism was my role. And then we were getting these messages that everyone has to be an activism. I mean, if you're standing, if you're sitting down and you're not doing anything, then you're wrong and you're part of the problem. And of course, I didn't want to be part of the problem. I wanted to show up and help in any way that I could. But I also questioned if my voice was even needed because you know, we've already had enough white voices in the arena and it's time to hear from other people and to lift other people up. And so I was dealing with all these questions and feeling really, really lost and having a lot of hard conversations with my family, with my partner and with at my work, just having a lot of conversations and a lot of really hard emotional stuff to process. And so at this time I was feeling super lost and I decided to go to California because I had been in Connecticut now since March. This was like three months and you really weren't supposed to travel yet, but I felt safe enough to travel and I traveled and it was honestly like the most seamless experience I've ever had. There was nobody on the plane. Like it was probably the safest time to travel at that time. So I went to California to see my mom and my siblings and that was really healing and that was really nice and I also did an ayahuasca journey so this is something that I've kind of kept to myself this whole year because I think it can be kind of controversial to talk about I mean we're talking about plant medicine we're talking about a so-called drug that is not legal in the U.S. so it's a little bit controversial but this was something that I had been called to do for the past like three years. And they they do say that if you're, you know, mother ayahuasca, they really talk about it as if it's like a living thing. And if you do it, you'll understand why. But you know, if you're called to mother ayahuasca, she will come into your life when it's meant to. And you really are supposed to trust that. And I remember like three years ago, I was researching places to do ayahuasca. I wanted to do it in Peru or Costa Rica to get a really authentic experience, but it just, didn't feel right and it didn't happen and suddenly in June where I had found people that that do these experiences in Santa Cruz like back when I was in Bali and I was I really wanted to do it but I didn't have any plans to be in California anytime soon and so I was like oh I'll keep you in mind but I don't know when I'm going to be back in California and so suddenly it was June it was the pandemic and I was in California and so I signed up to do this ayahuasca retreat which was in the Redwoods in Santa Cruz and it was the most amazing life transformative weekend of my life. And it came at such a needed time where I was really asking all of these questions about like, who am I? How am I meant to serve? Like the way that people are telling me how to serve on social media doesn't feel right to me. And I'm feeling really lost and conflicted. And like, what can I do to help? What can I do to serve? 
So I had an ayahuasca experience. I wrote about it on my blog. So you can find like all the nitty gritty on my blog. But basically what came out of the ayahuasca experience was basically I went to heaven. I went to the other side. I realized that magic is so real and that the signs that we see in our day-to-day life are sent from the other side. I like truly went to the place where souls come from. And if it sounds crazy to you, let, you know, again, take what you need and leave what you don't. But that that's truly what I experienced. And it was magical. It was beautiful. Also, I had never done, the only drug that I had ever done was weed, marijuana. So I'd never done like mushrooms or any hallucinogenic. So I was so terrified, like what it would even feel like because I'd never experienced anything like it. And as soon as like the medicine was hitting me, I had this overwhelming sense of remembering. And I kept thinking to myself, like, I can't say that I haven't done this before because I was in this like feeling and space of familiarity. And it was just so overwhelming and so beautiful. And so what I took away from that experience of doing plant medicine was really this understanding that there is more to life than than we see. And there is more to life that we don't understand. Like part of being a human and part of being in the human experience is that humans have amnesia. We don't know where we come from. We don't know, you know, what the universe really is. All we know is like our human condition. And so if you're into all that spirituality stuff with past life regression or any of that stuff, you'll realize that there is so much more than we know. And so I, I re- this really set me off on like this spiritual deep dive of like figuring out the signs that we encounter and like building relationships with my spirit guides, building relationships with my ancestors, building relationships with like where we go when we die and really shifting and changing my perspective on death. I mean, I had grown up believing that death was this the worst thing that could happen. Like, what is the worst thing that could happen? You could die. Or what is the worst thing that could happen? Someone you love dies. And as terrible and as hard and as, you know, as much grief as that can cause, it's actually not the end. Death is not the end. And that is something that was very clear to me on my ayahuasca journey and has become really clear to me this whole year that death is not the end, that, you know, when people pass, they really pass onto this other side. And, you know, you can ask for signs from people that have passed. You can ask for signs from your spirit guides, your angels, your ancestors. I read the book Signs by Laura Lynn Jackson, and this like really solidified my belief. And I started to play with signs and every sign that I've ever asked for, I've gotten. And I've built relationships with people that have passed. And it's actually a really beautiful thing because you realize that like there are people on the other side supporting you. There are reasons for you being here on earth. And like you have a whole team of people supporting you and guiding you. And so trust that you are never alone. Trust that the universe is giving you everything you need and that you have a right to be here. And you are here for a reason. And that was something that was super clear to me of like, we all have roles to play. We are in this crazy time where, you know, systems and structures are crumbling before our eyes. And it can get really overwhelming to figure out our place in this movement. And I just want you all to know that you all have a role to serve. You all have a role to play. You all have a place in this movement. And it's not going to look like 
someone posting on social media. It's not going to look like whatever anyone else is doing. You have to get super clear on who you are and what you came here to do because we all came here for a reason and we all chose to be here during this insane, beautiful time. It is a really, really beautiful time and we all really chose to come here. And so nothing is an accident. Nothing is by chance. That is firmly my belief. And again, I like to say like, if this doesn't resonate, it doesn't resonate, but this is where I'm coming from. And this is all that I have learned and culminated through this amazing year. Amazing, crazy, sad, devastating year, all of the things, right? You, the life is all about dualities. It's both and. So that was something that I felt really clear about that I, you know, I came here for a reason. My soul chose to come back to earth for a reason. I chose to come back here during this time. And what was my role? What was my role to serve? And so I started deepening my relationship to spirit. I started like reading the Akashic Records. If you don't know what that is, you can look it up. Maybe we'll have an Akashic Records reader actually on here. Ooh, that's a great idea. I will definitely have an Akashic Records reader on here. Thank you for that. <laughs> but anyways... That was when I started and launched my writing magic circle. And so I knew that I had wanted to do something deeper. Like I was doing these creativity circles that were just one-off workshops, but I wanted a deeper experience, like a group workshop where we would show up week to week. And so I formed writing magic, which was so special. We had people from Switzerland, people from Canada, um, people from New York City, people I known from college, people I knew from the O'Neill. Like I had this beautiful group of people where every week we gathered to meditate, we gathered to write, we excavated our own stories and our own feelings and we really tapped into the creative flow. And like, I think one of the biggest blessings of 2020 was this group that I created. I mean, they, we had been through a lot together. We started in July and we went all the way through the first week of December. So we saw each other in like all of our ups and downs throughout the year. And it was really just a magical, sacred, special place. So if you're listening to this and you were part of Writing Magic in 2020, know how much you have impacted my life. Know how much I honor you. Like the people that, like we, we bared our souls in this group and it was a safe, sacred space. And I, again, I'm just so grateful to be able to have had the chance to facilitate that and to step up and serve in that way because that's really where I believe I am best suited for. Another thing that really helped me figure out like my energy and what I'm best suited for is working with Carrie, who I had on the podcast. You can listen to our episode together where we talk about human design. And I was getting into human design, learning all about human design and about how, you know, different people have different energy types and we are meant to live life in the way that our energy is suited for. And so you can learn more about that. If you want to learn more about your human design type, you can look that up online and maybe find a reader or take advantage of Carrie's free course that she offered our listeners. That was something really important to me because I learned that I'm a generator and the way that I respond is responding with my body. It's like that full body yes feeling. And that has been so helpful in like knowing how to make decisions, knowing which way to go, knowing how to listen and respond to the stimulus and signs that I'm getting from the universe, from earth, from our community around us. That has been really important. So in the summer I was having you know, I was really on this like deep dive of showing up, sharing my gifts, like feeling really purposeful on my path, feeling super aligned on my path. And it was great. I was going to the beach with my boyfriend. I was finally enjoying Connecticut. People were 
like things had gotten a little better with COVID. So at least you could do outdoor dining. So it kind of felt like life was returning back to normal. And everyone was saying like in the fall, there's going to be another case. And so beware of the fall. So that felt like that was coming. And so again, I was, you know, doing my dharma, so to speak, really feeling like in my purpose. And then September came around, my uh, sister, my boyfriend and her husband and my nephew, we all took a family trip to Stone Harbor, New Jersey, which is a place where I grew up going on vacation. And it's a really special sentimental place for me and I hadn't been back there in years, but we took a week long trip there and that was really special, but it like I think I expected it to be this like magical, sacred, special experience and it it wasn't. It was just nice and that brings me to my next theme that I experienced in the fall of like expecting these like super magical life transformative experiences and like life being kind of mundane and kind of boring and like me really struggling with how can that be like life is magical life is amazing but like not being able to really tap into that so in September after I got back from Stone Harbor my mom had really wanted me to visit California again I was still working from home for the public again my light my dream had come true of working remotely for the year which I worked remotely for the entire year which I am so grateful for and so I went to California in September, the end of September, and I was there for a week with my mom. And then I went down to Southern California and met up with my best friends, Dahlia and Anita, my friends from college. And we had like a beautiful week together. And then I was planning to go back to, to Connecticut. I had a two week, it was, my trip was only supposed to be two weeks. I had bought a round trip ticket. And I'm sitting there on Instagram one day and I see that some girl I follow on Instagram says that she has a room available in her home in Hawaii on the island of Kauai for the month of October. And I was like, I got that full body yes feeling. I got that like, you have to go. Like when else can I just go off to Hawaii for a month? I was working from home, so I would still have my job. I had no real reason to come back to Connecticut. I mean, I had been there all year and as much as I love my boyfriend, as much as I love our life together, I was ready for kind of a new experience and something new. So it, within like two days, I decided to change my ticket back home. I bought a ticket to Hawaii. Luckily, I was already in California, so the trip was much less. And I had to quarantine for two weeks because they were instituting a like, they were lifting the, the mandatory quarantine and instituting like a pre-travel test option, but that hadn't happened yet. That was supposed to happen October 15th and I was arriving like October 4th. So I knew that I had to quarantine, but I was like, well, whatever, it's two weeks. Like at least then I'll have two more weeks in Hawaii. If I don't go, I'll just be stuck in Connecticut doing the same thing I've been doing all year. So I might as well. So I went to Hawaii and I was quarantining on this beautiful property with these women who were gorgeous and we lived on this like I don't know how many acres maybe like 30 acres orchard like they had this beautiful orchard in their backyard with so many different fruit trees there was guava trees pineapples mangoes avocados coconuts citrus so many citrus trees rambutan star fruit like so many fruit that I had never even really experienced and he was like this beautiful paradise, this beautiful garden of Eden. 
And I spent two weeks of my quarantine, like waking up at 4 a.m. because I still had to work on East Coast time, working on my computer throughout the day, leading my writing workshops. I was still leading my writing magic. I was leading virtual creativity circles for the yoga studio back in New York. I was leading like other creativity workshops for other um, organizations and really spending my time like literally watching the trees and spending some time with the plants. And I think already the pandemic had shifted my relationship to Mother Earth and to nature because I was really getting to know what was going on in my own backyard. I mean, for the first time, I was like really observing the plants, the birds, the animals and the seasons that were were going you know, were happening in Connecticut. I arrived in Connecticut at the end of winter and then I saw it turn into spring, turn into summer, turn into fall, and now winter. As I'm recording this episode right now, there is snow on the ground. So I really got to like observe this change in seasons in a way that I never really have before. And I think that's another beautiful thing that we've learned from this pandemic that like we need to be okay with what's happening in our own backyards. And it's like, we have to stop looking outside of ourselves, trying to travel the whole world, searching for something when really all we need is in our own backyards. And so I was in Hawaii observing what was in their backyards and like really developing these like deep relationships with the plants and, and feeling really connected to them. And so I spent my two weeks in quarantine and what came up for me a lot in my quarantine was boredom because I was just there at the house. There wasn't anything to do besides my work and everything, but I was okay with that. I was like really observing my thoughts at the time. I would just sit there under this tree for like hours and observe my thought patterns and realize that like my thoughts are constantly jumping to the next thing. I'm never fully in the present moment. I'm always thinking like, what's next? What's next? What can I do? What am I going to do? And I'm also always trying to multitask at all times. Like I can't focus on one thing at a time. And I noticed this and like was just observing it, letting it pass. And then I got out of my quarantine and I was finally able to explore the beautiful island of Kauai, which is truly like I mean, it's magic. If you ever heard of Lemuria, which is like this ancient civilization that they believed was like, it was at the same time as Atlantis and it was like a land of mermaids and rainbows and magic and butterflies and like, truly that's what Kauai was. And so I was so excited to go to the beach and explore all the beaches and eat all of the poke bowls and eat all the sushi and eat all the shave ice and eat all of the mangoes and dragon fruits and papaya I ate so much papaya and the papaya is incredible there like honestly the papayas on the mainland do not even compare so I don't know why they even have papayas on the mainland when it doesn't grow here but that is a whole nother topic so I had you know was trying to explore and again I was on my own I didn't know anyone in Hawaii besides the roommates that I had uh, met but like we didn't really hang out it was mostly just me and I again this feeling of like boredom kept coming up kept coming up where I just felt like bored I mean I was on this small island there wasn't that much to do the only thing there is to do is to go to the beach and while that is my personal heaven like what a dream right there's only so many hours I discovered that you can actually spend at the beach where you can feel fulfilled and where you can feel like you're doing something and so I felt really bored and again I was feeling kind of like guilty for feeling these feelings of boredom because I'm like, well, how privileged am I? Like I'm in fucking Hawaii for goodness sakes. Like 
I was really just judging myself for feeling bored and for feeling anything less than like pure bliss. And I was like, what is wrong with me? I mean, on my solo trip in Southeast Asia, I really learned how to tap into this feeling of pure bliss and like being totally at peace and in bliss with the present moment. And I was having a really hard time doing that in Hawaii and was like really judging myself for that. And so the month came and went. It was funny because I told you that I did ayahuasca in June and I had always wanted to do mushrooms. I had never done mushrooms before, but it was another plant medicine that I wanted to get to know and to have like a journey to deeper understand my place in the universe. For me, plant medicine is really about like spirituality and connecting with what is unseen and connecting with the universe. It has nothing to do with like escaping or like doing drugs because to me it's much more sacred and beautiful than that. So I really wanted to do mushrooms and on Halloween actually on October 31st it was the blue moon so it felt like a special event and it was like my last day in Hawaii and my friend gave me some mushrooms and I took the mushrooms in it was like in a chocolate and I'm like waiting for it to hit me and I'm waiting I wait an hour and I'm having so much anxiety and stress and like dealing with all this fear and like trying to really get myself into like a good mindset because every everyone says like in order to do mushrooms you have to be in a good mindset or else you'll have a bad trip and like that was freaking me out so I was like really trying to get myself into this positive mindset I was playing beautiful chorus I was like burning incense just trying to really create just trying to really create a sacred space and nothing happened I never felt the mushrooms, like nothing happened. I felt normal the whole time. And I kept like waiting for it to hit me, waiting for it to hit me. And it didn't, and it never did. And like four hours later, I was like, okay, I, d I don't think anything happened. Like I never tripped. So I don't know what happened there. Maybe it just wasn't enough of a dose. So like, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was some old mushrooms, who knows. But I think the lesson really was that I needed to get okay with this feeling of like, nothing happening, this feeling of like being in the mundane, this feeling of being super bored, honestly, because I was like, okay, nothing's happening. I wanna go do something. I wanna go to the beach or something, but I can't, I'm not gonna drive because I just took mushrooms. What am I gonna do? So I, that was the lesson there of like, how can you really find magic in the mundane? Because that's something that I preach all the time, that you can find magic in the mundane. And I believe that wholeheartedly to be true. I do this writing exercise where we turn the mundane into the mad, where we turn the mundane into the magical. And it's really amazing always like what stories can come out of just like the most random mundane moments of your day. So that was Hawaii. <laughs> and I came back to Connecticut again and felt really down. Like it was, I was coming back to winter. I mean, now the sun, daylight savings had happened. So now the sun was setting at like 4 p.m. And when the sun sets at 4 p.m. and I can no longer go on my walks because it's super cold, I just like felt so depressed and was just like in this state of like feeling really, really sad and didn't know what to do. And then Thanksgiving happened and my sister, her son, my nephew and her husband came up and my sister, who other, my other sister who also lives in New York City and my mom, we all came to Connecticut. We had this beautiful weekend showing them my favorite spots in Connecticut, Sift Bake Shop, shout out to Sift Bake Shop. If you know, you know about Sift Bake Shop. If you follow me on Instagram, I post about this bake shop like all the time. It's my favorite place to like get coffee or treats or whatever. They have really good croissants. If you're ever in Mystic, Connecticut, you have to go. 
but anyways, we went, they had Thanksgiving, and then that week I went to Mexico with my friends, which is kind of how I started this whole long podcast, and then I got back, and as soon as I got back, I deleted all my social media, and now I've been really just processing this past year, and like really sitting with, again, who I have become now, and I'm like at a loss for words almost because I think who I am now, if I can try to describe it in words, is everything for me has shifted. I mean, the dreams that I had wanting to be an artist in New York City are gone. I no longer want to live in New York City. I don't know where I want to live because for so long that was the goal. That was like the plan that I had in my mind. I was going to live in New York City for who who knows how long. And now I don't know where I want to live. I, I'm going to be in Connecticut now for the next six months because my partner, he's in the Navy and his contract is ending. And so we'll be moving. We don't know where yet. And so again, I'm kind of at this crossroads where I felt similarly back to last year where I didn't have a job or a place to live. Now I have a job, but I'm actually getting furloughed mid-January of this year because I've been lucky enough to work from home for this whole time. But the theater industry is still closed. We still have not been able to open up live performances. We don't know when people can gather again. And so I'm getting furloughed. So that also feels like kind of a full circle moment where again, I'm I am having this opportunity, this opportunity to like co-create the life that I really desire. And it's hard because sometimes you don't really know what you want, right? It's like when you feel like you can have everything, you don't know what the best path is to take. And so that's kind of where I'm at now, where I have ideas of what I want to do with the business, the podcast, like I want to keep holding space for creative people. I want to continue to do workshops. I want to maybe create a course or a membership or write a book. I want to write more poetry. I've written more this year than any other year combined. Actually, something I've been doing while I've been taking my social media break is I've taken all the notes on my computer. So I write like throughout the day, I write during my workshops, like all of my creative stuff happens on the notes in my computer. And I've ne- I never look back and read them just because I never think about it. But I actually have been compiling a list of all the notes that I took in 2020. And it's over 350 pages. And so now I'm kind of like taking the nuggets and the, the stuff that feels really good and feels really juicy from those notes and like, I want to turn it into another poetry book, maybe. Maybe I'll self-publish another poetry book this year. If you don't know, I self-published a poetry book in 2018 called Mermaid Musings, which you can find on Amazon. But that's an aside. So yeah, I again feel in this space where I do feel like everything that is no longer serving me has been stripped away. I've gotten, you know, I faced my shadow side again and again this year where, you know, as I said in the beginning of this, I had stopped drinking, I stopped eating meat, I stopped watching porn, I stopped smoking versus like now part of my coping mechanisms for 2020 has been like smoking weed and just kind of dealing with like this shadow side that doesn't make me feel good, but it's like the things that you need to do to cope during this crazy year. And I'm sure, you know, maybe some of us have fallen into bad habits And I think what I've really learned is like, how can we love ourselves so deeply 
in our bad habits and when we fall off like the path or what we think is the path because you know we want to be moving forward but like how can we really be okay with loving ourselves through the good and the bad I think a major theme of this episode and this year is that life is about duality it's about the good and the bad it's about the light and the dark it's about the light and the shadow we all have a shadow that we need to reckon with and I think a big question for me this year has been how can I love the shadow as much as I love the light How can I love the parts of me that feel shameful, that feel dark, that feel hidden just as much as I love myself in my like inspired, creating magic, life is magical phase. I think I had some really dark moments this year where I was like, what is the point of living? Like, what is this life? Like, is is this all that life is? Is it just this like hard, boring, depressing thing? Or is it this like beautiful, magical anything is possible thing. And I think the answer is that it's both, that we're gonna have really good days where we feel that's true, and we're gonna have bad days where we don't feel that's true. And I wrote a poem earlier this year where I said this line that really stuck out to me, and it's, you have a shadow because you're standing in the light. You have a shadow because you're standing in the light. And I think that's what we have to remember, that. Yes, life is both and. Life is light and it's dark. I mean, think about this year. All of the beautiful blessings that have come out of this year, you know, not only with our racial reckonings, but with the planet and climate change and like really having that chance to stop and to process and to think. And also all of the death and destruction and grief and pain that people have experienced this year. I mean, it is both and. And... I want to start crying because that's like the beautiful, magical thing of life, that it is both and. And how can we love ourselves in both of these processes? Yeah, I think that's what it's about. I, I wrote a list of 25 things that I learned at age 25 because, again, it is my birthday and this is the ritual that I love to do to really reflect on how far I've come. But I think this episode has been long enough. And so I'm going to post the 25 things that I learned at 25 on my Instagram and on my website, on my blog, so you can find it there. But I think I kind of stated them all without really stating them. I think I really had to take you and also myself through the story of this year to really understand like that's where the lessons came from. But I think another another one that I will just say before we wrap this up is that life is really about cycles and Life is about, you know, the ups and the downs. Again, this duality. But I think that we have a lot to learn from the plants. We have a lot to learn from the earth and the way that the earth like naturally has cycles, the way that the earth naturally has seasons. And so I think I will end with that. Remember that you have a shadow because you are standing in the light and how much can you face the light? And I know that this year has been hard and beautiful for all of us and I hope that you can find the beauty in it because if you can find the hard and the difficult and the bad, I hope that you can also see the beauty in it. And I'm feeling so grateful for my health, for the health of my family members, for the privilege and the gratitude that I felt all year to be in the position that I'm in. And I'm just really grateful. And I'm grateful that this year I started this podcast, which again was unexpected. I didn't want to start a podcast. I had no intention of starting a podcast, 
but I did. And now I looked at some of my analytics yesterday and we've reached listeners in 22 different countries. And that feels so special and feels like, what? Like, wow. So I just want to say thank you. If you've discovered this podcast this year, if I know you from whatever walk of life um, we've walked along, I think something that I'm really focusing on going on into 2021 and something I think this year has really taught us is that we need each other, that we are in this together, that we are not alone, that community and connection is so important and it's really the only way we're going to get through. It's really the only way we're going to usher in this new age. Like we are in this together. And so whoever you are, if you're listening, know that you are needed and that I love you and that I really just hope that you can see that because I mean, again, this year has taught us that life is short and life is what we make of it. And you know, it can, things can change in an instant. We've all become intimate friends with the unknown this year. And we know that nothing, you know, we can only plan so much, but the universe will do what the universe wants to do. So just know that you are loved and you are safe and you are supported. And I love you all so much. Happy Christmas Eve. If you're listening to this on the day that it comes out. And if not, I hope you're having a beautiful year wherever you are thank you so much from the bottom of my heart i love you all it would actually mean a lot to me one thing that would really help me if this podcast has given you anything this year if you've gained an insight from it if you've loved it if you've loved some of the guests whatever it is if you could rate and review it on itunes that apparently really helps podcasts be seen by other people and I have a message to share and I want the message to spread and I think I have to get comfortable with owning that because, you know, we can always have these thoughts of self-doubt of, am I good enough? Who would want to hear my message? Do I have anything worthy to say? All of those are true and more, but trusting that you have a gift and you would not have been given the desire to share the gift if you weren't meant to. So remember that for your own creative journeys and wherever you are, love you all so much. Have a beautiful year. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Creative Soul Podcast and thank you so much for listening. If you liked this podcast, please feel free to send it to a friend and tell them what inspired you or feel free to connect with me over on Instagram at the underscore modern mermaid with your thoughts. And if you would be so kind to rate and review the podcast, I would love to gift you my guided writing meditation that will help you connect deeper to yourself, your creativity, and your spirituality. Just take a screenshot of the review and send it my way at the underscore modern mermaid, and I will send over the meditation. Stay inspired, stay creative, and keep shining your creative soul. 